This is what I want everybody to do, okay? I want everybody to take their Bibles and turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, okay? First book of the Bible is Genesis, Exodus, okay? Go to the book of Deuteronomy, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and go to chapter 31. And, and one of the things that we want to deal with is we, we've put together some thoughts about um, things that come to our minds at a moment like this. I mean, this is pretty historic in all of my, you know, 40 plus years of ministry. This has never happened where we weren't able to meet as a, as a one large group. Certainly, we're all meeting in homes and all of that. And so we just wanted to share with you a few thoughts uh, about uh, what comes to our minds and maybe what we want to share with all of you. And as I said, it's going to be super encouraging. I, I, I guarantee it. And the first thought is this, is that we don't want anybody to, to be afraid because God doesn't want you to be afraid. And, and that's the first thing that we want to share with you is, look, in the midst of all the craziness that you're seeing on television or hearing on the radio or you're reading on your Facebook page or, you know, your neighbor's telling you stuff or whatever all that is, God says to you, don't, don't be afraid. In fact, I don't know what the number is. I've, I've never counted them. I, I know it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times God tells us, his people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I think one of the reasons why God tells us hundreds of times to not be afraid is because he knows us. He knows that we can, we can be afraid at times. And God says, don't, don't do that. And there's this great moment, and this is the story that I chose. There's this great moment in Deuteronomy chapter 31 where Moses is 120 years old. He's been leading the, the people of Israel for a long time. And they're, they're looking to him to continue to lead them across the Jordan River. And God has told uh, Moses, the people are going across the Jordan. I'm going to lead them across the Jordan. But Moses, you're not going to be that guy. And so... God has told Moses this, and now when you get to verse seven, it says this. Okay, look in your Bibles, verse seven. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, and so here's this moment. There's Joshua, there's all the people of Israel, and he said to them, Moses said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you will be the one who's going to lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. And then he says it again. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And we... We see all through the scriptures that kind of thought from God. Hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Don't be afraid. And the idea is that, hey, look, we all have the Lord living within us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We have God with us. And God says, don't be afraid. In the midst of all the stuff that's going on, and it is 
crazy. And I'll be honest with you, there have been a few times in my humanity where I've seen something on television or read something and man, I started to get a little fearful. And then I have to remember God's word. Don't be afraid, Rick. Don't be afraid. Now I know what some of you could be thinking. Okay, Pastor Rick, we shouldn't be afraid, but isn't what you and Joel doing right now, the fact that you shut down the, 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 the gathering, doesn't that show you that you were afraid? And the answer is no. I can guarantee you, Joel and I are not afraid. The, the staff of this church is not afraid. The Bible says that there's wisdom and safety in the multitude of counselors. And so your team, a bunch of us got together this week and we just began to talk and think about our gatherings this week. We, you know, we knew what the WHO, the World Health Organization had said. We, we knew what the CDC was saying. We, we, we began to listen to what our, our state and local government was saying, the experts were saying. We began to listen to some of you as you began to interface with us. And we just made a decision that the best thing, especially for our children and our elderly, was, you know what, let's use modern technology and we'll do church. We'll just do it in a very unique way. It had nothing to do with being afraid. I want you to take your Bibles real quick and I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29 because there's something that happens there that's really interesting and I'll bet none of you have recognized this before. And so in, in Genesis or, or Jeremiah 29, look at verse one, okay? The great prophet wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. You see that in verse one? Now drop down to verse four. This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled in Babylon from Jerusalem. And here it is. Here's what God says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And then look at this, here it is, listen. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Isn't that interesting? Look, we live in a city here. This is our city, Modesto. Some of you may live outside of our city. Some of you come from Patterson or or Ceres, or, or you, you come from the mountains, or you come from Ripon, or wherever. You, you're a part of a city. And as the city goes, so, so goes us, because we're a part of the city. And I want to care about our city. I want to care about what's happening in our town. And so we made a decision, not based on fear, but just based on a number of things, that this was what was going to be best for us as a family. So, so the first thing is we don't want you to be afraid. N number two, and this is obviously a no-brainer, is pray. You got to pray. God wants us to pray. In fact, look at Philippians chapter 4, okay? Philippians chapter 4, 
Pretty famous verse, one that we all probably know or most of us know. Many of us probably haven't memorized. But the Word of God says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always. And I want you to look at that word always there. You see it always? That means always. <laughs> like right now. In the midst of these crazy times we're living in. God says, I want you to be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And then it says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So the first thing is don't be afraid and then pray. When you get anxious, when you get nervous, when you hear about all the lines in the stores and the hoarding and all the stuff that seems to be going on, when you hear about all the shutdowns of all the stuff, look, don't be afraid and pray. Make sure you spend time talking with the Lord. Let him know what's going on in your life. Almost what Joel shared with, with what Peter said, cast all your, your cares on the Lord. Why? Because he cares deeply about you. Now, now, number three, and this is the interesting one to me, as I was praying this week about what you know, I'd want to share with you. N number three is this. So, so, so number one, don't be afraid. Number two, pray. Number three, never presume upon tomorrow. And this one has weighed heavy on my, my heart. Proverbs 27 says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. And wow, isn't that true? I mean, we can all go back a, a number of years, and I remember it was uh, Monday, September 10th, 2001. It was a day like any other day. I went to bed that night, woke up Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001, thinking I was gonna have a normal day, thinking I was gonna have a normal week, and wow, everything changed in an instant. A little bit like what's happening right now, right? I mean, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, our lives have, have changed for a season. And I think what God's trying to tell us here in Proverbs 27 is, look, hey, you got a, mind, you got a brain, you got a mind, you know, you got to think about tomorrow to some degree, but be careful because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. In fact, our brother James says this in James chapter four. He says, look, here, you who say, hey, today or tomorrow, we're gonna go to a certain town and we'll stay for a year and we'll do some business there and, and make a profit. You don't know what your life is gonna be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's, it's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're simply boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. And so James is basically saying the same thing here in the New Testament as the writer of Proverbs says in the Old Testament. And that is, hey, whoa, hey, you got to think a little bit about tomorrow. We obviously thought ahead a little bit. 
That's why you're watching online right now. We did our best to, re, to, to let you know all that was happening. But you also have to be very careful because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So with this said, listen to what Proverbs chapter 3 says. The Bible says, don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Why? Because you don't know whether you're going to get tomorrow or not. So so if you can do something good today, man, you got to pull the trigger on it. You got to be looking and saying, God, how do you want to use me Today, what are some decisions that you want me to, to pull the trigger on in my life today? And I was thinking about this. Is there a friend out there that you've been, I don't know, wanting to you know, share your story of faith with, but you keep putting it off? Why don't you do it now? Yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you figure that out now? Why don't you pull the trigger on that now? Is there, is there a, somebody that you've been wanting to invite to, to church? You know what? You can invite them over to your home uh, and say, hey, why don't you watch online? Because of what's happening, our church is doing stuff online right now. Why, why, why don't you do that? Maybe you've been thinking about getting baptized and you keep putting it off. Look, uh, Easter weekend is one of the great weekends here at Big Valley Grace. It's crazy how many people are here. And, and maybe one of the best moments is when we baptize. We baptize just tons of people there on Easter weekend. What about you? You've been baptized? Why don't you sign up in a little while when you fill out your Connect card and all of that? Why don't you say, I want to be baptized, and we'll contact you. Maybe you've been putting that off. Time to pull the trigger on that. M- maybe you've been thinking about coming to celebrate recovery. And you keep putting it off, and you keep putting it off. Pull the trigger on it, and get down here on a Tuesday night, and and allow the Lord to begin to change your life through all that they do. Maybe you've been thinking about getting into a small group, and you keep putting it off, and you keep putting it off, like like, like you, you know, somehow you think you're going to get it tomorrow. Maybe you're not. Pull the trigger on it. Maybe you're thinking about becoming a member of our church. Look, sign up, get down here on the next first Saturday and say, I want to be, become a part of the family here. Maybe you've been thinking about giving to the church. You've been coming for a while and you, you like all that we do, but you've, you've never pulled your wallet out and said, man, I'm going to be a part of, of, of helping the ministries there. Why don't you start that today? Maybe you've been thinking about reading the Bible more. Why don't you pull the trigger on that? In other words, here's the deal. You don't know whether you're going to get a, a, a tomorrow or not. What you do know is you got today. And maybe today is the day that you're going to pull the trigger on some important things that are in your life. You see, you basically got three things you can do with your life. Number one, you can spend it. You, 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 you can spend your life trying to acquire things or fame or pleasure or whatever it might be. You, you, you can waste it. And if you want to know how to waste your life, just watch, you know, commercials on TV. Basically, they'll give you all kinds of ways that you can waste your life. Or number three, and this is what God wants, you can invest your life. You can invest your life in something that will outlive your life. You can invest your life in spiritual things, biblical things. And so, so, so before Joel talks here, because he's got a couple more that are just really crazy 
crazy great. Hey, don't be afraid. You pray and don't presume you're gonna get it tomorrow. Pull the trigger on something today that you know God wants you to, to do. Pastor Joel, what did, what, what, is, what did God lay on your heart? Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, a moment like this, wow, you know, one of the things that came to my mind really first was the importance of having biblical perspective, and this would be the first of two things I want to share with you, and we are in a moment right now where our culture is shifting really quickly. Uh, updates keep coming out about a change in circumstances in our, in our cities or in our state or in nations, and Wow, the, the climate of change is at a really fast and rapid speed and, and rate right now. And what the importance of having a biblical perspective that is unchanging because it is based on a God who is unchanging and it is based on his word, which is unchanging. It reminds me of some, some people that we see in scripture who faced incredible difficulties and how God shows up in that moment and he provides rescue, he provides salvation, redemption, and how the perspective of those people changes now that they're seeing things from God's view or they're hearing from the word of the Lord. The first person in scripture I thought of was Noah. He experienced an incredibly difficult set of circumstances as he is faced with a worldwide flood. And in that moment, God gives him instruction to uh, build an ark, which would be the way that God would provide salvation. And he had to trust the word of the Lord and be obedient to what God had for him. And uh, after this worldwide flood and God bringing salvation to those who believed in his word, there's an incredible blessing that comes and a promise of hope. And we see it in Genesis chapter nine. I'm gonna read verses seven, verse 12, and verse 16. And God's saying, "'And you, Noah, be fruitful and multiply, "'increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it.'" Similar to the passage that Pastor Rick read just a moment ago. And then in verse 12, he says, this is the sign. This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations, including our generation now. We are a part of this promise and this blessing. And in verse 16, it says, when the bow, and it's speaking of the rainbow, when the rainbow is in the clouds, I will see it. God says he will see it. And I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And in that moment, Noah had a different perspective. He had a God perspective. He had a biblical perspective, and it, it changed, obviously, his understanding of everything that was going on. I think of Moses. You spoke of Moses already. He experienced an incredibly difficult set of circumstances as he had an irate, angry Egyptian army that they had just come out of captivity and slavery, chasing him and his entire nation. And in front of them, they were blocked by running away because of the Red Sea. And in that moment, God provides salvation. He parts the Red Sea, and Moses and the people of Israel, they cross the Red Sea on dry land as if it were dry land, and they provide, God provides salvation to them. And afterwards, Moses leads the nation to recognize that they have received strength and love by their Savior and through their Savior alone. In Exodus 15, verses 2 and verse 13, I'm going to read for you. Moses says this, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. God is our song. He is our salvation. He is our strength. He's our, that's why we sing to him, because he is our song. And so we sing him. We sing about him. 
And he has become my salvation in verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. It's really important for us right now to recognize that God is leading us and he loves us and he is our redeemer and we're to follow him and we're to pay attention to him. It ends by saying you have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Another person I think of is David. I think of this incredible moment where David has a giant-sized opponent, literally, in Goliath. And Goliath is defying God. He's insulting and cursing God and God's people. And David has an incredible confidence as he approaches his opponent and the obstacle that is in front of him. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 and the beginning of 46, David says this, With great confidence, he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. David had total confidence that God would see him through the difficulty that he faced, that God would bring salvation. David understood how to change his view to see things from God's perspective. We see this in Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. David says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. In this passage, I I see some things that David makes really clear about his biblical perspective. And that is, we can all get to a place where our heart is faint. Your heart might be faint right now. And it is the opportunity to go to prayer. And it's like what Pastor Rick talked about. When our heart is faint, that is a great signal and indication that we need to go to God in prayer. The second thing is that David understood that the difference between victory and defeat was getting to higher ground. And he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He understands that that rock is God. I need to be on firm foundation right now that I would be on God and his word and that that would change my perspective. And it would be the difference maker in what my obstacle is. And the third thing is, is that when we stand alone, our problems are going to overwhelm us. But when we stand on God, instead of our problems overwhelming us, our praise is going to overflow. And David acknowledges how good it is to dwell with God in his, in his tent, in his place, in his dwelling. And so, so important in this moment when there is ever-changing circumstances around us that we would have an unchanging biblical perspective. And because of that, Because of having an unchanging biblical perspective, it really brings us to the second thing, and that is when we see obstacles. When we see obstacles, we don't leave them as obstacles. We understand that God is going to turn them into opportunities. And, you know, consider how God changes obstacles into opportunities for a few people in Scripture here. Jesus, obviously, an incredible example. He's facing the obstacle of suffering of the cross And God turns this obstacle of suffering into an opportunity of salvation for me, for you, and for you. That the entire world would have opportunity for salvation because Jesus faced an obstacle 
of suffering. Listen to the agony that Jesus pours out in prayer in Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 and 39. It says, then Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And he says to his disciples, remain here and watch with me. Be by my side and and be in prayer with me. And then going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup, and the cup represented the object of suffering. It was a cup of suffering. It was the cross. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. And the Bible, clearly, it's the whole message of the Bible. It shares with us the impact because Jesus faced this obstacle of suffering, the impact that that happens in the cross as it turns into our opportunity. Paul sums it up in Romans in, in chapter five, verse 19, at the end of it, where he says this simply, by one man's obedience, that's the obedience of Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. And think of James James faced persecution for following Jesus Christ and he ministered to people who were facing persecution for following Jesus Christ and he encouraged those believers who were in that situation and and God chooses these obstacles of trials to produce something incredible in the life of a believer to to produce spiritual fruit. James says in chapter one, verses two through four, he says, count it all joy. My brothers, my family, the family of God, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. I think we're in a trial of various kinds right now. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God uses the obstacles that are in front of us as an opportunity for our growth. And it is quite likely that if we try to avoid the obstacle, if we try to take a shortcut, that we're gonna totally miss out on the spiritual growth and the development that God wants to increase in our life and maturity in him. I think of King David. I think of uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul, as he experienced a whole career of, of incredible persecution. Paul sums it up in 2 Corinthians. He gives a laundry list of all the things that Paul faced in his career, all the ways he was persecuted. He says labors, imprisonments, beatings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Often near death, five times, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was you know, lost at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And Paul's experience of following Jesus, it was full of difficult circumstances. And you know what he did? He made the most of it. He made the most of his circumstances that were so incredibly difficult. Listen to how he talks to the Ephesian believers. You know, we'll get this, get here soon as a church as we walk through Ephesians in chapter five. Verses 15 and 16 says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Are things difficult? Are the days evil? I think we could probably say yes. Things are difficult and the days are evil. And they're difficult and they're evil for others also, for everyone who's around you, which means this opens up for us incredible gospel opportunities because times are so tough right now 
conversations with people. And and Paul writes to the Colossian believers. And he says this in chapter 4, verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. That would be seasoned with salt. That's with the gospel, with peace and with love, so that you may know how how to answer each person. There's going to be a lot of conversations that open up because of all that's happening right now. Take advantage of those opportunities. Every opportunity is a gospel opportunity to have conversation when someone shares about the difficult things that they're experiencing right now. And these obstacles that we face right now, they are opportunities for God to be glorified in our lives. That's right. God to be glorified in our lives to other believers. And so may God be glorified. May God be glorified in you as people see that you are so satisfied in Jesus, that you are satisfied in God's love because you are recipient of salvation from Jesus Christ and that you understand how much God loves you and that people start to experience the love of Jesus Christ through you. That's right through us, and that all these obstacles, we'd see them as opportunities. And that happens when we have a biblical perspective, when we have a biblical perspective that is unchanging in God and in his word, and as we see that he is going to work in every situation, and he's going to work in that situation for his glory. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, um, when you think about those five things that we just shared with you, and we could have done a whole bunch, okay? We, we, we know that God doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He, he wants you to pray. He wants you to spend time talking with him. And when you pray, it tends to take care of the I'm afraid piece. We also know we need to be careful about not thinking we get a tomorrow because it's a moment like this that we go, wow, man, my tomorrows have, 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 have changed radically. We need to have a biblical perspective We need to make sure that we are always looking to God and his word in in a moment like this. Really any time, but in a moment like this, it really forces us back here. And then, man, to look for opportunities. I can't believe how many people I have talked to, people that have called me, people I normally don't interface with, people I didn't really even you know, didn't think knew me, who I run into now at the coffee shop or whatever, who say, hey, you know, what's going on right now? And it's like, it's like God's opening up all kinds of, of doors for, for us to share. And I, w- I want to give you one, one big opportunity that, that, that's come up. And in just a moment, we're going to receive our offering. We're going to have our moment of joy. And obviously, we're going to do it a little bit differently you know, all you got to do is click on that little button and you can text give uh, or you can, you know, give online. And, and, and we're going to give you some time just to kind of fill out the stuff. It's super easy to do because we need everybody to be, be generous right now. But I got a call yesterday from a, a, a gal in our church, one of our senior saints, just a lovely gal. And she's in a walker. And she said, Pastor Rick, I was wondering if somebody at the church could help me. I need to get to the store. I need to go and buy my, my groceries. And, and when I got to the store, it was just a crazy madhouse. There was just all kinds of people. And I just made the decision. I, I couldn't go in. I, I, I was afraid I'd fall or whatever. And I was wondering if somebody at the church could get my groceries. 
And I said, are you kidding me? Absolutely. I said, just text me whatever it is you need. And today I'll go to the grocery store and I'll get whatever it is you need and I'll drop them by your house. And she said, well, I'm, I'm willing to pay for it. And I said, that, that's fine. You, know, you can write me a check when I get to your house. But all of a sudden I went, wow, how many other uh, elderly folks maybe in our church and we've got hundreds here at Big Valley Grace or people who have some sort of disability may need some help at this moment. Maybe there's somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe there's somebody you could go to, knock on their door and say, hey, listen, I know it might be a little difficult for you to go and pick up your, your, your you know, daily rations, if you will. Can, can I get the stuff for you? We as a church need to be thinking about how we can be a blessing to you potentially. And so on your Connect card, if you would like for Big Valley Grace, if you'd like for somebody here to go and you know, shop for you and get your groceries and deliver them to your home, all you have to do is put that on the card. And, and we'll call you on Monday and say, okay, give us the list. We'll take care of it for you. We want to help. But we also want to help whoever might be out there. There are going to be incredible opportunities for us today to be a blessing to people out there. And, and I want you to be thinking that way also. Okay, so, so we're going to sing a, a song here together. And while that song is being sung, I, I want you to click onto the icon and I, I want you to give. I know some of you have never done it this way before, but you can imagine that uh, we need you right now. This is one of those moments where we as a church family need to come together and we'll have the resources needed to be a blessing, whatever all those things are that we might be able to do as a church. And it's really simple to do. Okay, I know some of you have never done it. It's simple to do, or you can mail in your, your offering. You can come down to the church on Monday and, and hand it in. But let me pray, and then uh, we'll have our moment of joy, okay? So, Father, thank you, God, for uh, just some of the things that, just listening to Joel, I, I was just reminded of how you worked in the lives of some really, some of our brothers and sisters in the scriptures who were facing difficult times. In fact, from cover to cover, there are just men and women who faced really, really daunting challenges. And you showed up in the midst of them and did some incredible things. And here we are, God, in 21st century, and we're facing something pretty huge. And I have no doubt, God, that you're gonna show up in our midst as a church family. God, may there be much joy in homes and apartments right now, coffee shops, wherever people are watching this as they, as they now give, they worship you in a very special way. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen.